Hello and welcome to the next episode of Simon Says Let's Talk Business here on Business Radio X. I'm your host, Al Simon from Sandler. And uh, on this show, uh, we talk with high-performing business professionals. We're looking to sharpen our skills, learn new ideas and concepts, and share best practices. And we get to know really smart people. So pay attention, take notes, and especially at the end of each segment when we uh, give the contact information for each of our guests in case you want to talk to them because I know you will want to. And as always, at the end of our show, we're going to have a Ask Al segment, which is a sales tip from me, based on uh, our listeners' questions that they send in. And we'll talk more about that toward the end. But I'm really pumped today because we've got some smart people in the room. We've got a packed house in the room. Uh, we've got actually four companies represented here, and uh, we're, we're going to learn about some really cool things. So pay attention. It's going to be awesome. You're going to learn some new best practices. So my first guest really pumped because she is a sales expert. Hey, you know who the best people in the world are? Sales experts. Isn't that right, Melody? I do agree, I think. There you go. I mean, how can you not agree? So Melody <laughs> Astley is with us today. She's the Chief Revenue Officer for Finlistics Solutions and also author of a book called Insight-Led Selling, which is really cool because it's all about that conversation, right? The conversation and the preparation, maybe even more important, for the conversation uh, in enterprise selling. So we'll get to all that. Uh, but Melody, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Absolutely. Good to have you. So first of all, we got to deal with Finlistics and what y'all are about. So especially, like, what problems do you solve for your customers? Customers come to us when they're running uh, into go-to-market problems. How do they better resonate with their customers? How do they call higher and broader in an organization, right? So they're saying, we have, we have a go-to-market problem. We're asking our sellers to, to talk to people and, and sell in ways that they're not used to. Because one of the things that we find that, our, that sellers go back to is, here's my product. Isn't the technology cool? Here are the speeds. Here are the feeds. And they're totally mismatching their conversation with what a buying executive cares about. And, and so how do we enable them to better speak the language of their customer executives, of the industry, and just be confident and credible as they approach um, higher buyers in the organization. Excellent, and I'm gonna digress right off the bat just for a second, because okay. I love what you just said, but I, I get so tired of my clients when I'm coaching them, and when I hear about how they, how they open a conversation with a prospect. They say, I know you this and you that, and I can't stand that, right? How can you get people to be prepared for the sales conversation without coming out le- acting like a know-it-all? Yeah, you do have to do your your homework, and and mm. you'd be surprised at how many people just think they can wing it and go in and 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 hit hit a home run, and that's not true. You must prepare. Yeah. But what what we coach our sellers to do is to say, come prepared with a point of view, but also more importantly, not know it all, curiosity. There you go. Because when you have these insights around the industry, around the financial performance, or around competitors. Asking that question shows the curiosity, shows that you've done your homework, builds credibility, and really opens the door to have a real conversation, not a show up and throw up pitch. I love that. How can, how can we get sellers to realize that, that the, the credibility comes from the questions? 
right. not from the statements. Well, and, and, and that's what that's a, a big part of what we do. We work with sellers and coach and role play, and, and they spend time with, with former buying executives, executives who had veto power for billion-dollar technology deals. And what they tell us is 90% of, of my sales calls are a waste of time, and it makes me angry because I'm wasting my time with these people. So exactly. what can I do to give back to improve the sales profession and make these sellers better? Because better sellers are actually better for my company, too. Okay. What I can tell, Melody, there's two aspects to what y'all do at Finlistics. One is, is helping people with the psychology and the talk tracks, but the other is you have a tool, right, that helps them to prepare, right? That's right. Tell us about how you do that. So we have, we have Client IQ, and so what Client IQ does is it provides sales business insights as a service. So sellers are always told, do your research. Well, what does that mean? How do you standardize research? Um, you can tool it to death, but what we say is tools don't sell, people sell. Client IQ... And Wait, I love that. Say that again. Tools, tools don't sell. People, people sell. sell. All right, that's, a, that's a sound bite that's right there. That's a sound bite. <laughs> tools don't sell. People sell. I say yeah. it all the I sell it, say it multiple times a day. But anyway, yeah. uh, so what Client IQ does, it's a SaaS-based platform, and it, 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 within seconds, any company in the world, a seller can go in, and, and it, they tell us they save 10-plus hours to find insights that they would never have found, and they get all this information wow. in five seconds. Really? And so it, it just naturally, it aligns around the business KPIs. It aligns around the company goals and strategies, which is what the customer's caring about. They're not waking up thinking about, oh, what am I going to buy today? It's yes. what problems am I going to solve today? Yes. So it just really helps build that point of view, build the curiosity, and really enables that confidence for sellers to come in and say, well, you know, what am I going to talk about? Well, here's, here's what you talk about. Nice. So the tool helps them to equip the sellers with that information. Yes. And, you, and in the book, you talk about the fact that part of that preparation they got to do is to make sure they understand if, they're, if they've got vertical industries that they typically sell in, what are the typical KPIs, right? Yes. Financial and operational. Can you talk, talk more about that? Well, you know, people throw around terms like value or mm. business outcomes when at the end of the day, look at executive compensation. It's all built around performance and KPI driven metrics. So if you understand how these executives are compensated around KPIs, key performance indicators, it helps to give you as a seller a leading indicator about this is my executive's long-term comp. This is certainly going to, to dictate how she, he or she makes long-term and strategic decisions. And so you have to understand these scorecards because one, it's not only important to them, to the buying executive because they're paid on it, but two, it varies by industry. You don't have to be an industry expert. You just have to know, like we're, we'll be talking to our fulfillment guys here in a minute. You can go and sit and talk about fixed asset utilization to a bank and it makes no sense, right? It, it falls to dead ears because that's not a metric that they care about. Same as you can talk efficiency ratio to the supply chain guys and it won't make sense. So how do you understand those industry specific KPIs and how you can impact them as well? All of that builds personal credibility and shows your industry knowledge. Nice. And you, you got into this how. You're a longtime seller, right? Yes. I got into this how. So I started off started off right out of school selling for IBM where I was 12 years in financial services just like you. All right. And had, had a good time with that. But as part of being there, uh, Finlistics is a, is a partner of theirs. And so I went through everything that we do. Um, the founder, who's also the, the co-author of, of the book, Stephen, said to me, hey, would you be interested to come and, and run sales and marketing? I said, Sure, I'll go from 400,000 people to, to 40 and, 
that's what I did, and we've been rocking and rolling ever since. So nice. you have to believe in what you do, right, in order yeah. to be credible. And and I use this effectively myself, and I still do today. So big believer. And that's you're, you're talking mostly about enterprise type selling, right? That's right. So long sales cycles, committee buying teams, RFP world, stuff like that, yes. right? Okay, you high dollars, it. yeah. Yep, strategic yeah. deals. Okay, and so most of your customers are in that world. Yes, largely technology and supply chain companies, but B two B sales. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, and and you've got some some examples of of uh, results that your customers have oh, achieved. Yeah, one of our clients they did an internal ROI study. So, well, they hired a third party to do it, so it was totally objective. And what they measured, I mean, it, it's it's a big number. We have the data to back it up. One of our clients measured on every dollar, we have a nine hundred seven percent ROI return from working with us on this. I mean, that's that's huge. Um, That's a high number. T- yeah, <laughs> uh, and you can look back and say time savings here. If we're saving 10 hours, multiply that by number of accounts, multiply that by number of reps, feed that back into real sales time in the field, and, and there's material value there. Um, another client tells us they we help to increase their um, long-term signings, their bookings by 1%. That doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're a $12 billion business, it's a lot. That's attributable directly to Finlistics, right? That's one of the major concepts in the book, right? The power of one. The power of one, The right. 1% increase. That's right. Power yeah. of one, which, which is a 1% improvement against these KPIs that we talked about. What What is the dollar value worth to um, to your customer or prospect? I got I to gotta talk about one thing in the book that really got my attention. Yeah. Actually, two things. Okay. So, okay. Only two. Only two. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. I, actually, if you can look through here, I got it all dog-eared and marked up. You just did that for this. I did. Uh-huh. I'm faking the whole thing. Yeah, so... <laughs> Actually, it's interesting about that because I there, there's so many books on selling out there, right? And uh-huh. I'm so focused on the Sandler methodology, I typically ignore that stuff. But I also knew that in order for me to have a good interview for you today, I needed to understand what's in the book. Yeah. And so I read it and I loved it. Thank you. I absolutely love this book. Obviously, I'm, I'm a Sandler bigot. This does not debunk anything Sandler-wise. No, it's, it's complimentary. It absolutely is. A terrific book. By the way, again, it's Insight-Led Selling is the name of the book by Dr. Stephen Timmy mm-hmm. and, of course, Melody Astley. So if you want to get that book, and you should if you're a seller. But here's the two things. First of all, you talk about stop leading with your stuff. Right. Right. I mean, you can, you'll get to that eventually. But, in fact, you'll even get to it eventually better if you lead with, okay, let's talk about the reason why you've invited me in. Let's talk about what you're trying to achieve. Let's talk about the problems you've had in the past, what you've tried to do about it, what worked, what didn't work, having those kinds of conversations first. And then you'll get to how your company, your products and services are a good fit for that. If you just relax. But most people, they lead with the features, benefits, and, you know, at Sandler we call that spilling your candy in the lobby. (laughs) Sometimes we shorten that to showing up and throwing up. There's that one. The other one that I loved about what's in the book is you say in there about the uh, quit over-promising and under-delivering. Let's turn that around. Right. Right. Let's let's, let's under-promise and over-deliver, delight the customer. Can you talk about either well, one of those two sh- things? Sh- <laughs> I could <continue>. Forever? <laughs> yes, it's what I do. Yeah. Well, I would say the biggest thing, uh, the biggest takeaway is, as part of the book, we interviewed like 12 current executives at think Coca-Cola, think GP, think, you know, major companies, like I mentioned, who have the veto power. And resoundingly, they said the same thing in different ways, but they all said the same thing. One is, tell me something I don't know, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's, well, 
we don't know it all. I mean, we have this team of consultants. They give their point of view. I am so busy, focused on my day to day. I don't have time to understand what the what's happening in the outside world. So tell me some tell me something I don't know. You have the advantage of having different perspectives in the marketplace. Give those to me. And in terms of over promising and under under delivering, they're saying there's actually credibility in saying no because it shows that that you understand your deliverables and it's okay to say. We've screwed up before. We haven't always done it perfectly. They know, you know, not, not all projects go 100% to plan all the time. So it, it, it builds credibility by, by helping them mitigate risk, which, again, is a huge top of mind for, for these executives. Well said and so true. And once again, this is Al Simon with Sandler. The show, as Simon says, Let's Talk Business. And we've been talking with Melody Ashley, co-author of the book Inside Lead Selling, and Chief Revenue Officer, CRO of Finlistics Solutions. So, Melody, how can our listeners contact you? What's the best way? 404. No. <laughs> so you can visit us. Uh, go to finlistics.com. Uh, you can visit us on, on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. We're on all the, all the social channels. Okay. So the best way is finlistics.com. Yes. Okay. Yes, right. Simple enough. Easy to do. And, and I know our listeners are going to want to do it, especially if you're an enterprise selling. Yeah. But even just a sales pro of any kind, get the book. Talk to Melody. Get into Finlistics. It's good stuff. Thank Thanks you for being so much. with us. Right. You're welcome. Absolutely. So our, our second guest, actually it's two guests. We have with us Seth Galland. Did I pronounce that right, yeah. Seth? Seth Gilland. Why do I want to say Galland? Uh, everybody Are you not it. French? Some people add eyes to it. So Okay, okay. there we go. It's, I've gotten Gilliland and several other variations. Yeah, so. Gilligan. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so Seth Gillen and Gifford Pace. Hi, how are you? Hey, welcome. From FSI, which is Fulfillment Strategies International. Which do you prefer, FSI or Fulfillment? FSI. FSI. It, it, it rolls off the tongue a little easier. Okay, good. All right. So uh, Seth and, and, uh, and Gifford here from FSI. Okay, and, and y'all are in the fulfillment world, right? Talking about getting products out there to people, that kind of thing? We are, yeah. So uh, our, yeah. our main uh, objective is to take either entrepreneurs, corporations, really industry-wide there's not a not a specific industry we focus on okay. uh, but we take their operation and, and then we manage it for them we're a third-party logistics company okay and so e-commerce has changed a lot of stuff for y'all huh it has yeah, yeah. covid changed a lot for us we uh, experienced a ton of growth through that process or through that through that time period and uh, still experiencing a lot of growth but we've got we've got capacity now to, to continue growth into the future okay so all right so uh, can you give us a little bit of history behind FSI, and then we'll talk about uh, what it is y'all do exactly for people, okay? Sure, yeah. I'll take the history, and I'll let Gifford kind of <laughs> talk about exactly what we do and kind of what our focus is. But, uh, yeah, we're a, we're a family-owned business. We're, we're into our second generation of ownership, founded by Ken Marbot, and now his son, Forrest Marbot, is our, is our owner and, and president of the company. Uh, we're in 486,000 square feet in Lithia Springs, Georgia, which is just west of Atlanta, if you're familiar with Six Flags. Mm-hmm. One exit past that. Uh, we have a little over 120 employees. I think we're right around 128 today. We peaked around 165 during the pandemic. Uh, we have, like I said earlier, 486,000 square feet. We work with uh, direct-to-consumer accounts that have shopping carts, whether that's directly on Shopify, Magento. Okay, that's uh, what I was going to ask you. There you go. A yeah. lot of different platforms that we integrate directly with. Our company has really put a huge focus on technology first, making sure that we can fit the needs for our clients, which everybody now is driving toward technology. I mean, 
brick and mortar is not not our industry. I mean, we do support that absolutely from an EDI standpoint, okay. in a in a B two B perspective, and getting into those retail stores. But the main push now is really you know direct to consumer drop shipping. You got Amazon marketplaces and a variety of others like Alibaba and lots of different avenues and trading partners we can we can we can talk about. Okay, but that's that's really our focus. I may have stole a little bit of your thunder there, Gifford. Sorry. Yeah, you did. Thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and so what we also do in in addition to the order fulfillment and inventory management, we actually do a lot of kidding, and that is a matter of when you've got let's say five hundred, uh, you know, kits that have to be assembled. You have various products that have to go into a box, and you have to send them out, whether okay. it's to one place or to five hundred of your favorite customers. Right. Or we did a project for a large airline, and they were it was part of their profit sharing, and so we pulled in all of those products and and put it together and sent it out, and and all of that logistical information and pieces and parts we had to put together and make sure that it went out to the right supervisor and the right supervisor got the right employees and all that fun stuff. So it's a lot. It was a large project. Um, but we do, you know, a lot of different projects like that. All right, so you do projects, but you also do just regular shipping for customers. Yeah, if you've ever ordered anything off the Internet, I don't know if you've ever done that or yeah. not. Um, <laughs> you know, basically somebody's got to house that inventory, yes. right? Somebody's got to take that off the shelf, put that in the box, right? Yes. And then, you know, put a shipping label on it and give it to the carrier, and then it gets to you. And that's kind of the, the, the direct-to-the-consumer aspect of it. Yeah. The B2B is uh, really two parts, right? I mean, it's EDI, which is your big box stores, you know, your uh, Dick Sporting Goods, Academy Sports, uh, CVS, Walgreens, those folks, Kroger. Um, And then you've also got the mom and pop shops, which can be fairly large. They just don't do it through an EDI aspect of it, which is uh, that. Well, that's amazing to me because, you know, again, I'm old school, but (laughs) I've been around way too long. As we've already discussed, but I remember when when companies would would have so much storage space and all these all these um, inventory management systems and logistical departments of their company, and every time they had a new project, they'd have to find floor space to do all that, like the kidding, like you're talking about. Um, but then, just in time, inventory started showing up, right? And then, of course, e-commerce changed all that. So y'all are really on top of all of that, right? We are, yeah. I mean, when you speak of just-in-time, we offer reorder points. So when your inventory gets low, we can tell you kind of what your usage has been over a 30, 60, 90, even year-to-date perspective. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we try to – and that's part of the technology piece that I mentioned earlier. We, we try to make sure we're accounting for all that so that it makes our customers' lives easier uh, so that they're not uh, faced with challenges they weren't expecting simply just really managing that operation that's 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 what we're experts in and that's what we feel like we offer the biggest benefit to our clients so your customers can focus on what they do best what they yeah. manufacture you know what they do yeah, and then that them, whole logistical go, part you do yeah exactly let them focus yeah. on the sales and marketing of their product who can they get it out to how do they get it in front of that that, that consumer or that business and then we'll take care of the rest nice nice all right, so tell us, give us some more examples. You mentioned some of the retailers. What other kinds of companies do you work with? I would say I would say a lot of advertising agencies oh, really? that are you know that have different clients that are in the product oh, okay. businesses, and that's really who we want to focus on. Is if you have a product that you have to get out, and whoever you're working with, then it's a matter of using that product and getting it out. So, um, yeah. and the agencies will have several different things that are trying to build the brand. Yes, and when you're trying to do that, then it's like. Because they didn't, people didn't get into the business to pack boxes. 
most of the time. I mean, yeah. and, and they really wanted to establish those relationships. They wanted to go out and build that business, and that's right. how you really kind of do that. Uh, and that's where we step in, and we are part of that supply chain where we're kind of that last step before it goes to the carrier and gets to that, that end point. Nice. So your business has really thrived because of COVID. Well, even before COVID, though, there was already a rise in e-commerce, obviously. And then uh, I'm guessing COVID, uh, COVID really kind of up the game on that. Uh, but now that COVID is starting to wane a bit and people are getting used to how to work in this new world, uh, what do you see as the future of e-commerce and logistics involved in that? Well, we don't really see it. In, in, there has been a kind of, a, I would say, a rebalancing uh, since the pandemic. Uh, but we don't see it going any any direction but up at this point. I mean, the capacity is still at an all-time low. Uh, there's warehouses still being built as fast as they can prop, as, as fast as they can tilt walls up and put a roof on it. They're filling these warehouses. Are they really? We, we did the same thing. I mean, we're yeah. kind of. Uh, I'm not saying I mean, we have capacity now, but we you know we, we're forecasting out for the future and looking at our clients' inbound volume, and it's not really just in time anymore. It's now. How, how much can we get manufactured so we don't get ourselves in a pinch anymore? Yeah, they're trying to push that, you know, pull that forward so that they can get it closer to the consumer. Okay. So, yeah. you know, if it's in China, let's say, well, then it's stuck in China. Yeah. Let's, you know, because they've got COVID problems, right? Yes. And so if they can get it closer to their customer, then that helps supply chain issues. That makes sense. You know, when the Braves won <laughs> the World Series last, well, 1st of November, Mm-hmm. Less than, what, three, four days, people were wearing shirts and sweatshirts that talked about Braves being world champions. They were. I was amazed yeah. how quick that is. Yeah, that's they, what you're talking about, right, where they get it closer to the... Yeah, consumer. they can. That's that's one aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, they have a special thing where they, they go ahead and they, you know, they're running both lines. They're like, hey, whoever's, whoever the Braves are and whoever the Dodgers are, and they've got, you know, already made up and ready to go so that they can flip that commercial on that says, hey, get your Atlanta Braves championship yeah. shirt. So, so it's already been manufactured. Just yeah. Okay. Yeah. They just they're going to expect waste. I mean, they they, they, they yeah. factor that into the cost of what they're selling. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess to do that. Yeah, because that first wave of, of purchase is going to overcome it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's you know a lot of times we help the clients that are on uh, the shows like The View, Good Morning America with those flash sales. Uh, that is one of those things where if you are not prepared for that. You're going to have some irate customers because <laughs> there's going to be a long, <laughs> oh, you know. Yes, I want my stuff and I want it now. So and they might actually lose customers because yes. of that, right? Yeah. So yeah. another reason to work with y'all, right? Right, absolutely. Make sure it doesn't happen to them. Okay. And, and you wanted me to ask you about vendor partnerships and trade shows and things. So what, what's all that about? Yeah. So one of the things that we really wanted to talk about is um, Gifford mentioned kit packing, and one of the yeah. things we do really well is subscription boxes. If, if you're familiar with what those are, they're they're, they're continuity programs. Essentially, you order a box and it has, maybe it's apparel, maybe it's uh, treats for the kids. It could be a variety of different things. Those come either on, in, in cycles, monthly, weekly, quarterly, depending on what, what you sign up for. We actually put those, assemble those boxes and distribute them. Okay. We're attending a conference here June 1st through 3rd in Orlando called the Subscription Summit. Uh, you can attend virtually. We actually have a couple of extra virtual tickets we'd like to give out today. For two people, if anybody wants to uh, reach out to us, you can hit us at fsi3pl.com. Uh, again, that's fsi3pl.com, and we'll, uh, we'll get you into a virtual conference and, and, and anybody that has any interest in the subscription summit. 
So this is like a like an infomercial. The first two who call. Yeah, well, <laughs> in a way, it wasn't really designed that way. But, but that, we, that we works. Two extra, hey, so. it's a, it's, you get it closer to the consumer, right? We're talking about quick here. So, yes, yeah, so if you go to. But only FSI. for the next 15 minutes. That's you know, right. Kind of thing, so, Operators know. are standing, standing by. by now. <laughs> if you go to uh, www.fsi3pl.com and say, I want those tickets, right? That's right. Okay. We'll, we'll give them to you. They're excellent. All right. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> this is great. That's awesome. Okay, so that's June. Uh, June 1st through 3rd. Okay, and it's virtual and in person. It is. Okay, that's in Orlando? Orlando at the uh, Swan and Dolphin Resort. Oh, yeah, good one. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all going to be there? We are. Oh, we're, yeah. we're exhibiting. Uh, we'll yeah. be there. I've got to I've got to take a run over to Tampa on Thursday, so Gifford will be there by himself on Thursday, man in the booth. I don't think he knows that yet, but he does now. No, oh. he does. <laughs> okay, there, there you go. That's fine. Yeah, he just... Uh, Lost his lunch, but he's okay. He's yeah, okay. Yeah. We'll, get, we'll get to this. But come see us. Yeah, we're, we're expecting a, a good turnout. The last couple of years have been a, a little little down because of the pandemic. People don't want to travel. But I think now this this year we're really expecting it to bounce back to pre-pandemic years. Yeah, most of our clients actually are back into trade shows mm-hmm. uh, in person, which is, which is good to see. Yeah, Really good is. to see. Yeah. But on the other hand, we also all learned how to do things virtually, didn't we? We, we did. did. You know, webinars. Change the world. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing how all that we all learned quickly and uh, adjusted, and it obviously great for your business on that side too. Yeah. So okay, so you know, Seth and Gifford, if our listeners and I know they want to want to, we already mentioned fsi3pl.com. Any other way, the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can give us a buzz at six seven eight three nine one five nine eight zero. Okay, that's six seven eight three nine one five nine eight zero. Yes, sir. FSI Fulfillment Strategies International. Or feel free to stop by the warehouse. Yeah, the three four hundred eighty six to four hundred eighty six thousand. We'll take you on a tour. That could take a while. That's a Man. big facility. That's okay. We've got carts yeah. and All bicycles right. and bicycles. Yeah, <laughs> great. Love it. Okay, in Lithia Springs. Very yep. good. All right. Well, welcome, guys. Thanks for for joining us today. Thank you. Again, this is Al Simon with Sandler, and uh, the show is Simon Says Let's Talk Business. And we've been talking to some real, real smart people, business pros, great ideas here. And I know you're going to want to plug into these folks. And we've got one more joining us today, Megan Satterley. Welcome, Megan. Hello. Nice to meet you. And, Megan, you're representing two different companies today. Correct. Okay. So one of them is Effortless Mining. Yes. And it's all about Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin and crypto mining, correct. Crypto mining, okay. This is going to be interesting. Yes. Especially for old guys like me who have no idea what that is. I'm I'm, going to try to bring it down a level so that everyone can understand it. (laughs) Even me? Yes. All right, good. Okay, and also you're going to talk here in a minute about Van Rand Communications. Correct. Okay. All right, so Megan Satterley, CEO of Effortless Mining. What in the world is Bitcoin? So... A lot of people are interested in Bitcoin, but at the end of the day, it is just a global digital currency. Just think of it in that way. And uh, it rides on top of the blockchain. Just think of the blockchain as a network. Um, also think of it as a ledger that uh, records all of the transactions that occur on that network. Okay. So it's just like you know, back in the old days when the, the people would trade furs for food or something like that. It's just a way, of, a way of having commerce, right? It's a digital currency. Exactly. Digital currency. Okay, I'm trying to, you know, again, you got to dumb, dumb it way down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so it for me. But a lot of folks I'm talking to lately are really into it, and others, a lot of others are interested but not sure what it is. So can you tell us how, do you, you talk about mining, so how do you mine Bitcoin? What's that all about? Okay, so let me explain what Bitcoin mining is. So basically, Bitcoin mining is putting new Bitcoin into circulation. 
Uh, today, there's only 19 million Bitcoin out in the market. Uh, there'll only ever be a total of 21 million Bitcoin. So there's 2 million more Bitcoin left to be mined. Uh, so what mining is, is it's a process where you basically buy a server. The server solves uh, complex algorithms. And by solving those algorithms, you get paid a reward. And that reward is in Bitcoin. Um, and then at any time, you can take that reward in Bitcoin and transfer it into US dollars or whatever currency you would like. Sort of like video gaming here, right? Kind of. Can, can be okay. considered that way. Okay, so I've got some <laughs> questions. First yep. of all, why will there only ever be 21 million? That's how it was designed from the start. Okay. So then it can't be extended? No, but it's, it's not like the U.S. dollar where we can just print as much of it as we want. There is a finite supply of Bitcoin. Which helps to keep the value up. Correct. Right? I'm guessing. Okay. All right. And, and so, only, so there's already 19 million. Yes. Only two more million. Is that a problem? Uh, it isn't because uh, you'll be able to mine for another 100 plus years. Um, there's something called uh, Bitcoin halving. So every four years, the rewards that are paid out for doing the Bitcoin mining are cut in half. That's supposed to help with inflation. Uh, but with the That'd Bitcoin nice. halving schedule, uh, it's going to be 100 plus years before uh, you can no longer mine Bitcoin. Really? Yep. Okay. So, so, my, so my goal is to be in this hot and heavy i'd say for the next 10 to 15 years because i think it's going to be a, a good spot to be in okay yep. so what kind of person needs to talk to you so the folks that we work with are folks that don't really know much about it want to get into it they they know there's some money to be made but they are just confused on how to go about any of it um, that's really why you would talk to me uh, we came up with an offering an all-inclusive offering where we will sell you a miner so you own the miner itself um, but we'll host it in our facility. We provide the power. We provide the internet. Uh, we also provide consulting. So we'll help you set up a wallet. Um, we'll help you uh, get connected to a mining pool so that the mining pool is paying that wallet. Uh, we'll also consult you on how to convert it to USD when you're ready to kind of cash out. Um, so we do it all for you. That's what we call it, effortless mining. Making mining easy is our uh, tagline. Okay, and most of the people, are, maybe all the people are going to wonder, okay, so if I do that, what kind of ROI can I expect? No problem. Um, we've looked at a five-year ROI, and again, it's all going to depend on when you cash out. So you could have one, one Bitcoin, but if Bitcoin's $30,000, which is kind of where it is today, and you cash out, you're only going to make $30,000. If you have one Bitcoin and you cash out when it's $70,000, you'll make $70,000. So it's all about when you choose to cash out on your payments. So from an ROI perspective, we kind of looked at things over the course of five years. And uh, in the first year, you can pay it off if Bitcoin hits $70,000. If it doesn't and it stays around $30,000, you can pay it off in two years. Uh, everything you make after two years is pretty much profit. Your only cost are really to house it, uh, the power, and the Internet. Nice. Yep. So how did you get into this? So about five years ago, uh, my other partner, who unfortunately couldn't be with us today, really just started talking to me about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in, in general. And I, uh, I saw the value. So again, having a global currency that, that you can work with, I think there's huge value there. And uh, yeah, and so a couple years ago, we started doing the mining and really learning uh, the, the ins and out of that. Uh, some of it started literally out of our garages <laughs> and uh, has moved into our, to our facilities. So I don't think you're a real company unless you started in someone's garage yeah well we, yeah. we did check <laughs> there you go okay yep 
All right. So how do you sign up? How do, how do we do this? So uh, go to effortlessmining.com, click on the buy now, and you can put your information in there, and we'll reach out and contact you. And, again, answer any questions you have. We, uh, we really want to consult people and make them feel comfortable and help them understand this and, and for it not to be so scary and, and confusing. Okay, effortlessmining.com. Yep. And click on what? Buy now. Buy now. <laughs> So this is this is before or after they go for those tickets for the trade show for FSI. Exactly. Uh, so, so. <laughs> and and buy a Melody's book. Okay, so we got <laughs> okay, so I hope everybody's keeping track. There's a lot of things going yeah, on. Yeah, there's here. a lot of things going on. So good action items. Well, I appreciate it. Okay, so effortlessmining.com, Bitcoin made easy. I love yep, that. Yeah, mining uh, made easy. Mining made easy. And yep. well, Bitcoin made understandable. Thank you for that. Appreciate yep. that too. Okay, and also, so you represent another company called Van Rand Communications. Correct. Communication so systems, VOIP, cloud, yeah. Exactly. So Van Rand is kind of my baby, but really it's my mother's baby. So it's a family-owned business, same as you. Um, I've been there for 20-plus years now. Um, my mom came out of AT&T and started her own company back okay. in uh, 1986. Um, we are a nationally certified female-owned business. Uh, we play on a global scale so we have customers all throughout Europe and South America and really just all over the globe and uh, our main we have have two main focuses um, one is premise based and our partners from the premise based side is Avaya okay. and then we also have a cloud based uh, side of the company as well and there we partner with Microsoft from a teams perspective uh, we also partner with ribbon candy five nines and a variety of other partners Oh wow! Okay, all right. So, so your customers don't come to you directly; they come through your partners. No, they they do come to us directly. And, you, we could be considered a value-added reseller that sort of puts okay. all of our there services around uh, what what we sell. Now yep. you're talking a language that Melody and I understand. I'm talking okay. about VARS. Yeah. yeah, we got we got that. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, so so you you're working both in the cloud and also on premise, call premise based, yep. or, which is the you know the traditional way of, of doing it, right? I'm sure that the cloud based. The, the VOIP, that's that's what's growing for you more? Correct. That, that, that's what's taken off. Um, we've been yeah. in the premise-based business, again, since since 86. But I would say within the last probably 10 to 15 years is when sort of voice over IP has kind of taken over. And then especially within the last two and a half years with COVID and everyone having to work from home, um, it's it's become huge. Okay. And you've got a concept I have not heard of. I've, I've heard of SAS, S-A-S-S, Software as a Service. But you've got... USAS or US, UCAS. UCAS Unified Communications as a Service. So that's more the telephony side of things like uh, voicemail and just being able to, you know, use a phone, make a call, things like that. Right. And then the other side of it is CCAS, which is Contact Center as a Service. Uh, so that's like if you were to call into a call center or if you go to a website and uh, you want to do a web chat with someone, all those sorts of things get funneled into a call center. Okay. So Contact Center as a Service. Okay. So so I'm just I'm just kind of spitballing here for a second. Uh, it seems to me that companies that had been premise based with a legacy phone system and now with probably they have employees that are remote they've got most, almost their customers that, that, mm -hmm. that interact with them over the web they're going to want to change the, the infrastructure there but uh, absolutely and, and COVID was a big a big push okay uh, a lot of folks have Microsoft today already. Um, most enterprises do. Yeah. And when COVID hit, uh, the Microsoft Teams UCAS just, it exploded. Uh, and a lot of people have transitioned from that premise base to the cloud. Yes. I've seen that. A lot of our clients do that. Yes, exactly. Okay. 
And so they can call you and then and y'all can figure out how to configure it best for each one of them. Absolutely. We have uh, our own staff of uh, design engineers, well, sales staff, design engineers. Um, we also do the implementations as well as support. Okay. So we're kind of white glove, whole nine yards. Nice. Yeah. All right. Very good. Okay. So, and then how would our, our listeners get a hold of you for that? So the, the best way for that is vanran.com, www.vanran.com. Uh, the cloud side is vr3cloud.com. VR3? Cloud. The number three? Yes. vr3cloud.com. Correct. Okay. All right. Very good. Or vanran.com. Yep. Excellent. Well, Megan, thanks for joining us today. Thank you very it's much. Appreciate you having me on this. Absolutely. So this has been uh, Megan Satterley with uh, Van Ran Communications and also Effortless Mining joining us today. So good stuff. Again, this is Al Simon with Sandler Training, your host for Simon Says Let's Talk Business. And as, we, as always, we're going to end our show today with a sales tip. We call this the Ask Al segment. And our listeners send us questions. And so if you have a question on sales that you or sales management, too, by the way, that you would like me to answer on the air, uh, send it to my email address, al.simon at sandler.com. And we just might read and answer your question here on the air. So today's question comes from a listener and says, how do I have consistent sales performance every year? regardless of the external economic environment? <laughs> Great question. Sounds like someone just got hammered on COVID or, or the other way around, right? It, it, like FSI, right? We're, we're able to really grow. But it's interesting about the um, regardless of the external, external economic environment part of this listener's questions because the roller coaster sales results have been the biggest or one of the biggest issues in sales for what, Melody? Forever, right? I mean, forever. Um, and, and, you know, sales managers and presidents of companies are, have been known to tear their hair out trying to figure out how can we flatten the curve but still make it go up, you know. And, and, and here's the thing about it. There are, there are some things that are absolutely going to be outside of our control, no matter what. But that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse, folks, because as sales professionals and sales management professionals, we still have control over a lot of things. And so you're probably not ever going to be able to have consistent results when there's major upheaval, and there's several today. All right, you know, the FSI folks can tell us about supply chain issues, you know, and and a lot of folks can tell us about pandemics and the, and the result of that. And of course, now even now we got inflation too, record number, uh, record rate of inflation. There's you know there's always going to be stuff like that going on, right? Always something's going to be going on that's not going to be like we want it to be in business. But let's talk about what we can control. And sales professionals who are really good understand that they can control a lot of things. For example, you can control how you spend your time today. You can control how you spend your time this week. And that's what it gets down to. And, you know, Melody talked about all that time spent um, kind of spinning your wheels in preparation for sales calls and then go to waste when you're winging it on the sales call itself, which is where I get upset. <laughs> but bottom line is, at Sandler, we have this concept called the cookbook. And it's a huge concept. And we, we, we require all of our clients to use a cookbook. I have a cookbook myself. A cookbook is your short-term activity, goals, and actions. Right? Your short-term activity, goals, and actions. So in other words, it's what you're going to do today to bake that cake. Right? It's what you're going to do this week to bake that cake. And if you, if you focus on, on, on executing on your cookbook and meeting your minimum 
daily or minimum weekly activities, and in the, which is, by the way, all based on math. So you take your desired income and work backwards from there to what have you got to produce every single day or every single week, and then making sure that you're, that you're meeting those activity goals, and that's the cookbook. So you can be on your plan, not on someone else's plan. And that is the biggest thing. To me, that's how, it, how I would answer the question, how do I get more consistent performance regardless of the ex- external factors? Bottom line is control what you can control. Make sure you're doing the things you need to be doing, the right activities with the right people at the right times consistently, and you'll get there. And so that's our show today. This is Al Simon with Sandler Training. The show is called Simon Says Let's Talk Business. Thank you to our guests. And as always... Good selling. <laughs>